Hello and welcome to the Bucket Problem episode 36. I am your host, Dave Sandbender, and we are brought to you as always by Homefield Apparel and PointsBet. And we're a proud member of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Uh, Alex's internet unfortunately cut out. We were going to have a full crew tonight. Uh, instead, uh, Connor and Dan are joining me. We'll be covering both um, both recent and uh, future basketball stuff and uh, spring football, which has terrifyingly um, already been going on for a little while now. Uh, I, I don't like it, but uh, it's it's a fact of life. So, so here we are in uh, the very beginning of March getting ready to talk about some football. Um, in fact, I believe that's one of our big moods. So, Connor, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> hey, uh, it's good to be back. I've yeah. been gone for like a month, I want to say. And like, you know, I have good excuses. I was uh, in Paris for a while recently. Um, next month, I just found out I'm going to Amsterdam. I, I want to stress that I am not a federal agent. Uh, <laughs> I can't underline that strongly enough, but uh <laughs> I have a lot of travel. And, and we uh, cannot <laughs> underline strongly enough that we all firmly believe you, Connor. <laughs> it, it, it's good to be back, though. And um, it, I, I will say, like, this, you know, I'm not, not doing my big mood just yet, but it is nice to, like, have a sort of a, a blissful slide into spring ball without all of the uh, the usual anxieties. And I know you guys are all worked up about, you know, the sport of basketball, but uh, I'm feeling great, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Thanks. that's that's. Uh, we're just really happy for. Uh, couldn't be more happy for Connor's alma mater, who we will remind you all is Duke. Um, so he's having a great year. Um, he's uh, he's enjoying the. Uh, uh, I can't believe uh, Coach K gets a graceful swan song. I'm gonna if he wins the Natty this year, I'm I'm going to puke. Um, <laughs> you don't I'm you don't just, love it just how, gonna like, vomit everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> all all over my own couch. Oh, you don't love God. how like every conference road game for the last month has been like. You know, ESPN primetime, the opposing coach has to like give him a plaque. Oh like, God, yeah. They're not even like doing commercial breaks. It's like every it's like, okay, like now we're cutting to uh more nice things being said about Coach K. It's like I I don't even dislike Coach K personally. I just like we're just getting like the slowest uh I probably can't say this, but there's just like the slowest, like, you know, self-congratulatory like pat on the back from every media member like non-stop it's yeah what you were sickening. gonna say <laughs> yeah no no it's it's <laughs> uh, but uh anyway it's um it's it's like it's the worst uh but no i'm happy i'm i i don't actually uh, dislike coach k that much personally he's like he's like a less annoying i feel like izzo is much more annoying than coach k to me um so anyway that's objectively true and i i will also say like to throw it back to what you guys want to talk about um in the very plausible alternate reality where Hunter Dickinson is currently a sophomore at Duke, I just want you to think about how much you and everyone else would hate him and how much I would love him and how beautiful it would be. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, Hunter Dickinson has real um, Duke Duke player potential. It's it's really escalated this year, especially um, now that he's got like the uh, the fuck boy hair. Um, last <laughs> year he didn't have he didn't have quite the uh, the flow that he has, but like now he's like it's very styled before games, and you can tell. Um, so yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. He is playing up the heel role pretty well. It would, it would go over beautifully at Duke. I, uh, I cannot disagree with that. Um, Dan, uh, how you doing tonight? I'm getting to you uh, a little belatedly. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm doing good. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's always good when Michigan beats Michigan state in basketball. Um, you know, definitely the biggest basketball rivalry. I don't think I don't, I, I don't feel basically any way, one way or another about, 
pretty much any basketball rivalry besides like, you know, Wisconsin, I guess. Um, so, you know, that made my week. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, doing, doing pretty good, doing pretty good. I'm, uh, like Connor, I'm excited to talk about football as well a little bit. Um, and I'm excited, you know, Connor said it would be stress-free, no anxieties. Um, I'm, I'm excited to create my own anxieties. Um, and to, even though it seems like the, the team is really on the right track, um, I'm excited to just, you know, make something up. Um, I've got like, I don't know, what is it? It's February. I've got like seven months to, uh, create, um, Hey man, just, replacing uh, both coordinators. Yeah. We, we got plenty yeah. to stress about. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's, plenty. there's, there's, there's a ton that I can work myself up about. Um, can we possibly make months. both quarterbacks transfer? Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. They could all transfer. We'll lose Alan Bowman. Uh, Donovan Jeter's not on the team seemingly anymore. And like Dan's going to pieces about that behind the scenes. <laughs> I know. So he's, he's my like security blanket. It's like the, the past, like seven off seasons, it's been like, well, you know, they do have Jeter if they need more size in the middle. Like, even though he, <laughs> he's like until last year, he didn't do anything. We're like, you know, I'll look, you got to remember they've got Jeter. Um, so <laughs> hey, your patience paid off. That's, that's what matters. Oh Yeah. <laughs> All right, Connor, I think it's time we circle around to your big mood since we're currently dancing around it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I basically already said this, but like, I remember like this period, uh, you know, February, March, April tends to be a pretty like, I would say, miserable time for Michigan football fans. I mean, granted, a lot of them are, you know, most of them are probably also Michigan Hoops fans. So that's part of the context uh oh you know, you'd be surprised like have you seen the cross well, yeah. chrysler <laughs> that's that's a fair point um a lot of hockey fans i don't know what you guys are doing uh in ann arbor these days but anyway um Shoveling you know, Michigan football this is usually kind of a you know it's a period where every team has a lot of hope for spring ball right like spring comes and and hope springs eternal in college football but also like michigan you know for years now it's been this constant like well still haven't beaten ohio state haven't won the Big Ten in a million years. Uh, we keep losing to Michigan State about a ha- about half the time. Uh, can we fix that? Like what, you know, we're like doing like reading satellite readouts of like practices to figure out like, you know, what formations they're using and which guys have bulked up. And it's like, there isn't that vibe this year. Um, we're, we're curious what's going to happen. We have our worries. We have our hopes. But it's just very much like, all right, the team had their best season in 25 years. Um, I hope they do well next year, but we're no longer just like, you know, desperately hoping we're going to get some catharsis. We can just kind of be excited, which is a nice feeling. Most definitely. It's, it's been a while since, uh, I haven't really had like foreboding feelings about how spring football could go in this year. Uh, kind of forgot it was happening. <laughs> Dan, uh, you've got a pretty straightforward big boot as well, but it's, uh, circling back around to, to, the events of the Michigan State game. Yeah, this is like our weekly, like um, we you ask us how we're doing and we just give our big moods and then we give our big moods again um, like <laughs> two minutes later. That's basically how this podcast it's goes a great, now. It's a great format. <laughs> we, we've really got this down yeah, to we, a science. We've thought, we definitely thought it out a lot and, and uh, have adjusted certainly since the very first <laughs> podcast. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, my big mood is that um, beating Michigan State rules. Um, and uh, I think even deeper than that, um, in a, in a season like this, which, you know, the tourney's not even necessarily locked up even after last night, um, and they, you know, may or may not still get in, uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, and, you know, it's, it's safe to say even, like, unless they make an incredible run in March, definitely a disappointment compared to preseason expectations. Um, but I've had a lot of fun with this team, um, even though they've really had some just, you know, uh, 
incredibly frustrating games. <laughs> That's fair. I think that they've made a lot of progress. Um, they've they, this team fights really hard, um, and in a season like this where they might not get to hang any banners or anything, uh, I still think like it's important to remember that like college sports should be enjoyed outside of like you know the things you can measure like banners and championships. Um, even in a season you know where Michigan did you know win a lot of championships or in, in recent memory, but like beating rivals and like having cool moments like Hunter Dickinson getting his career high against Michigan state and like taunting Izzo in, into like almost getting a technical, like that's awesome. And that can just exist outside of like, Oh, you know, what banners did you hang? Like, what would your, what was your record? Did you make a final four? Um, and that's, you know, my, my, my elongated way of coping with this uh, somewhat disappointing basketball season, but uh, no, I had a ton of fun last night. Um, it was awesome. Uh, and I, uh, I got to enjoy it for about 15 minutes until, uh, you know, Katie lost her shit at, uh, <laughs> at, at, at two banked in buzzer beaters, uh, for Wisconsin to win the game. So it was a fun, like 20 minutes for me getting to enjoy that. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Sorry, Katie. Uh, none of us like Wisconsin basketball. There's just absolutely nobody who likes Wisconsin basketball. Um, I'll circle back around to the happy part of that. Uh, and Dan, you didn't even include that. Like, like for you, this like finding good moments in an otherwise disappointing season, like this truly is a disappointing season by recent Michigan standards in past years, this would have been the best Michigan season in a long time. So for me, it hasn't been as difficult. I think to make that kind of transition to looking for the little things and, uh, for me, my big root, big boot is just Hunter Dickinson. It was also big and rude. Um, was Hunter Dickinson telling Tom Izzo that his centers were simply too small? Um, and he did it several times in so many words by running back down the court and holding his hand down as low as he could next to his side while still running upright. Um, and also shouting a lot of things at Michigan State's bench, some of which I imagine was, you should probably throw a double team at me. And Maybe the guy guarding me should not be Julius Marble, who's six foot nine. Um, that was that was beautiful. That was that was, you know, like Dan said, when you're looking for like moments to appreciate during uh, seasons that maybe haven't gone to plan. That was it, a tremendously fun two hours of, uh, you know, I mean, Dickinson established his dominance from the very beginning of that game, and Michigan was talking shit for pretty much the entirety of that game and even though it was not a very large crowd uh, a lot of that having to do with it being spring break um which was unfortunately time but keep in mind this was a rescheduled game um yeah and for for that crowd to get as loud as it did um i mean if you weren't able to see it um for most of the game you'd think it was a, a much more packed house um uh, but that that got rowdy and it was mostly because Hunter Dickinson was like borderline inciting uh I won't say a riot, but uh you know, unrest <laughs> among the locals. Um uh, and it was it was deeply fun to watch because he had the best game of his career against Michigan State. Uh and that that's lovely. Yeah, and I mean like, you know, Michigan State fans are getting mad with him taunting uh taunting Tom Izzo. Um, but honestly, I think he was giving legitimately good coaching advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tom Izzo should have simply played his taller center. Um, Marcus, <laughs> Marcus Bingham at least could like get in the, the neighborhood of like the, the sh- like contesting, you know, uh, Dickinson shots. But, um, unfortunately, you know, genius brain, uh, hall of fame coach, Tom Izzo, 
Um, not only is, you know, his best player, Marcus Hall, not starting, um, but, you know, his his best center, Marcus, or I guess, I don't know, Malik, Malik Hall, sorry, Malik Hall not starting. Um, but Marcus Bingham is, you know, plays like 10 minutes a game for some reason. Even he's Michigan State's only... all-times blocks leader as yeah, of this game. <laughs> and, and he's, he's got, I, I'm like, look, I, I know there's been some talk that he's got like endurance issues or whatever, which that seems impossible because he's like 20 pounds. Um, I don't know how he could possibly not be in shape, but whatever. Um, but like, he's, he's really good. He blocks, he bothers a lot of shots in the paint. He's athletic enough to like have some range. He can shoot the three pretty well. And it's like Tom Izzo just hates him. Just, just can't, can't play him uh, less if he tried. Like it's, it's unbelievable. So, you know, I think Dickinson was giving good advice and uh, unfortunately Tom Izzo just wouldn't take it. Was, I mean, was there a reason? I'm sorry. Um, I just wanted to ask, like, I didn't watch this game cause I'm not a Michigan hoops guy, obviously, but was there a, a good reason why they wouldn't double Dickinson ever against a team that like this year has famously struggled to shoot the ball? Uh, I mean, for one thing, I don't know if Michigan has famously struggled to shoot the ball as much as they've just been wildly inconsistent at shooting the ball. Um, so I think there is, and a lot of the games in which Michigan has gone off from beyond the arc is when opponents have doubled down and Dickinson has picked teams apart with his passing. So um, Michigan State successfully did it in the first matchup between these teams. So I, I think you got to give them some credit there. It was something that had worked before. I they tried to switch it up at halftime a little bit, but they were really bad at sending the double. Uh, their guards just didn't do a good job of it. That might have been another reason why they were staying away from it, because even when they were trying in this game, uh, they could not properly execute a double team. Yeah, I think I think also someone said like Izzo hates doubling, um, so his teams don't practice very much. They're not very good. Um, it did lead to a very funny post game Izzo quote where he said uh, he said they were supposed to double in the second half, but they didn't. Which in which like I'm like what they were just doing the wrong thing all half like you you did you couldn't have called a timeout and told them to double team but I don't know it seems like uh, yeah I, I think the reason they didn't do it is because this was a big dum dum um, and he doesn't know how to coach basketball you know um, this wasn't his best game I'll put it that way uh, we might as well just slide on into uh, our basketball segment at this point. Um, Unfortunately, we're going to have to, I, I want to do these in order because um, I don't want to finish the segment on a down note. So uh, let's touch on the Illinois game real quick. Uh, this was, uh, unlike last night, a, a pretty rare, tough game from Dickinson who got pretty decidedly outplayed by Kofi Coburn. Uh, Dan, would you care to comment on, at this moment? Oh, uh, no. Um, <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, tough, tough day for agendas um, being pushed about Kofi. Um, yeah, unfortunately, Kofi Coburn played probably the best game um, of his life. Uh, he really bullied Dickinson down low. Um, I thought the, the offense played really well, though. And uh, overall, like, if it wasn't a game that we kind of really could have used to uh, – solidified tournament odds I would not be that upset with it because I think Illinois is like a really a really good team maybe the the most reliable team in the Big Ten I feel like right now but um yeah they're just a bad matchup for Michigan um you know uh, they've got a lot of a lot of good shooters a lot of guys that can create off the the dribble and hit shoot hit shots over small guards and uh and unfortunately they can also you know sing basically single Dickinson down low with with Coburn so um rough game on the defensive end 
Yeah, uh, Michigan gives up 1.26 points per possession in this game. That is a lot. Uh, Coburn, 27 points, 11 for 15 from the field, 5 for 9 from the line. Uh, that's pretty – even had an assist. Goodness gracious. Kofi Coburn getting an assist. Um, also notable, Alfonso Plummer was absolutely unconscious in this one. Uh, goes 6 for 9 from beyond the arc, 2 for 3 from inside of it. Uh, some pretty – Ridiculous contested shots in there. Also some less contested shots that he had. But Illinois overall 10 for 17 from three. Michigan 5 for 15. That's ultimately the difference in this one. Uh, I mean, these two teams both hit 24 twos. Michigan actually uh, outshot Illinois at the line. Um, It was close in turnovers. Uh, It was just uh, a game where Illinois had one shooter basically go unconscious and Michigan... Did not, and also Trent Frazier went three for three, but he's liable to do that. Um, so this, yeah, like like Dan said, this is not really a game that is something to worry about. Illinois is a good team; they even got a good game out of Andre Carbello, which they have not had in a while. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, disappointing to lose it just because Michigan is still on the bubble. Um, that's about as much as we feel like talking about that Illinois game. So let's get back to the Michigan state game. Uh, a huge thing in this one, um, probably be the biggest difference from, uh, the first matchup between the, these two teams when, uh, Michigan for some reason was, uh, bringing Hunter Dickinson out to the level of the ball screen. And, uh, Michigan was getting absolutely torched, uh, by high screens, um, against, uh, you know, Michigan state guards who, uh, aren't great at shooting and finishing, uh, generally. So in this one, uh, Michigan, not only keeps, uh, Dickinson in the paint, uh, when they're defending ball screens, they've got their guards ducking under the screens. Uh, they're just inviting Michigan state's guards to shoot and they could only convert so well. Tyson Walker did all right, but, um, there was, Pretty much no offensive production out of their big guys. Not a lot of getting Michigan's defense to scramble. There were a couple possessions, uh, I think, early in the second half when Michigan State cut the lead down to something like 12 points uh, with a couple Gabe Brown threes where they were able to get something going off the triple. But otherwise, they really had to work hard for their points. And uh, that was... I would say almost entirely due to the way Michigan changed how they approached it defensively. So it was nice to see that. Uh, I mean, it would, it felt like an obvious adjustment, but it was also great to see that made and Dickinson ends up with four blocks in this game. Yeah. Um, should be noted. Michigan state was without AJ Hogard, who was sick. I think um, he played 11 which, minutes, but then yeah, Tom Izzo said he should not have played. Him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Apparently, which is like, that's just we. I, I keep going back to the Tom Izzo stuff, but like we did really get a classic. <laughs> we, um, got a we got one. all of we got like the he was like, oh well, you know my guys are sick, and but like that's on me. I should know. Tom Izzo loves to say like, oh, here's an, a complete an obvious excuse of me throwing my players under the bus. Like he'll be like, yeah, my players are dog shit. Um, they don't do what <laughs> I tell them to do. Um, they suck. They don't have that dog in them. Uh, but that's on me. Like that's that's totally on me. Like not my players. Like blame me, not the players. It's like okay, Tom, but you just spent like the last ten minutes throwing one in the bus. He'll also um, do that to the opposing <laughs> team's players by just like yes, saying they yeah. can't shoot. Yeah, he's like, he's like, well, you know, can. like <laughs> yeah, he loves to do that to Xavier Simpson. He did that again this game. He said like, um, 
he was like, yeah, uh, he's like, well, you know, so they're shooting like 16% from three and they went like whatever for whatever. And I'm like, Tom, shut the fuck up. Like, I, I well, mean, and he either on. said that about Terrence Williams or Brandon Johnson. Either way, those guys are hanging around 35%. Yeah. I get right. that Terrence Which, Williams doesn't make him in bunches normally, but like maybe y'all should have gotten out and put a hand in his face. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Terrence Williams. It, I mean, it should be said Terrence Williams did, you know, hit like, I mean, they were, they, they shot pretty well from three today. Um, mostly on good looks, but I don't think it would have mattered that much. Like they were getting to the rim and like, you know, producing offense in basically any, every way that they could. Um, Terrence Williams, I want to point out as a very funny, like YMCA type jumper. I feel like, like it's a very, it's very much like a jumper that looks like, looks like it, you know, should be uh, like the best player at like a pickup game at the Y um, kind of unorthodox. Um, but, uh, and also got a really good uh, stint from uh, Frankie Collins who yes. went absolutely berserk uh, out of nowhere. This was, was an interesting point guard rotation because yeah. Devontae Jones, obviously he picked up two fouls in the first, I think three minutes uh, sits on the bench for pretty much the rest of the first half. Um, and then Joe and Frankie Collins comes in just about four assists. I think three of them were in the first half. Um, does a really good job of running the offense. Also plays some really excellent defense. Um, doesn't finish either of his fours to the rim, but and uh, comes pretty close to turning the ball over uh, a couple more times, but manages to turn a couple funky plays into assists. Threads some tough passes through to Hunter Dickinson um, and just looks like he's in command of the offense out there. And then in the second half, Jones goes almost the entire way, shoots the ball pretty well, runs the offense pretty well. And uh, Collins barely sees the floor after probably the best half of his career. It was uh, kind of a funny rotation, but it sort of worked out the way you'd want the minutes to work out uh, overall, just uh, not necessarily in the order that it would normally go in. Yeah. Um, pretty much everyone played their best game. Um, and that was awesome. And uh I'm not going to apologize for, you know, a hot shooting game against Michigan State. Um, it was cool as hell. Um, if and, you uh, take away Michigan's 21 points that they got from three-pointers, this is still a four-point game. So, uh, yeah, that wasn't it, Tom. <laughs> right, exactly. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I think was, the was, issue was, was cool in the paint. It, <laughs> it was cool that it never got close. Um, that was fun. It was, like, never – I was really stressed out the whole time, but, like, I, there was really nothing to get stressed about objectively. So, uh, fun times, good times. Yeah, no, that was uh, um, that was a fun game. Uh, Connors had very little to say because I assume he was watching Duke. Um, sorry, Connor. <laughs> I, I was like at a bar last night, just sort of uh, watching that horrible like Purdue game. <laughs> sorry, I, I have such an uninteresting what? college basketball, uh, life, but you guys are doing great, brutal. so. <laughs> Uh, speaking of college basketball, uh, we are brought to you as always by Homefield Apparel, and they are in season three of their big new Saturday, and it is basketball themed. Uh, Villanova, Villanova was the latest drop. Um, we're not going to say anything more about that because uh, we want to keep Homefield as a friend and sponsor. Um, it is now Kansas week, um, so I guess uh, you may have mixed feelings about Kansas, but at, at least for me, when I've been collecting. Uh, by home field stuff. Um, I kind of like getting stuff from vanquished foes. (laughs) So like, I'll probably get something from the Kansas collection, both because they have a good Jersey font and because uh, Michigan beat them in the 2013 tournament in a game that I uh, very much treasure. So I could pick up that shirt and think about uh, the Trey Burke shot. And that will be nice. 
Um, and if you want to do that too, you can use the promo code bucket problem for 15% off your first order from home field. They're at homefieldapparel.com. We are also brought to you by PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app and use the promo code BUCKETPROB to get 100% of your deposit matched up to $1,000 in the form of free bets. To get that bonus, you must use the promo code BUCKETPROB. That is bucket, P-R-O-B, all one word. Please gamble responsibly, set limits, avoid chasing losses, never bet what you can't afford to lose, take breaks when you need it, and use the self-exclusion feature on the app to stop yourself from betting. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, Call 1-800-GAMP. All right, we're going to take a quick look ahead for the men's basketball team. Um, I forgot to put notes in for this segment until we basically started recording, so I apologize. This is a little ragged. Uh, Michigan has Iowa and Ohio State to close out the season. They're going to need to win at least one of those games to feel good about their NCAA tournament chances heading into the Big Ten tournament, where you think – Michigan should be favored in their first game, but anything beyond that is not going to be um, tremendously likely at the very least. So you you don't want Michigan needing more than one win, and ideally you want them needing zero wins in the Big Ten tournament. But um, they definitely have opportunities. Iowa is on Thursday night. That's a home game, basically a coin flip. Uh, Iowa, it's um, a lot of it just comes down to slowing down Keegan Murray and then just making sure that the Hawkeyes don't go off from beyond the arc while Michigan uh, probably inevitably scores a decent number of points on them because uh, they're Iowa. Um, And they had a tough time slowing down Hunter Dickinson. Uh, Michigan took the first game with uh, 28 points from Busa Diabate. Um, So Michigan should be able to go inside against them and feel pretty good about their chances in this one. Um, Although we'll see if Iowa catches fire. Uh, Kempom actually has that as a one point Iowa win um and then michigan goes to ohio state on sunday the buckeyes have lost two straight and those two games have been to maryland and nebraska the second one at home that is probably the worst loss that any contender has taken all season uh so the buckeyes not in an awesome place right now um they've also lost to Rutgers this season uh they just uh, have not been great recently. Um, they needed overtime to beat Indiana. Um, other than a win at Illinois, uh, there hasn't been much to be happy about with that team. EJ Liddell is still very good. Uh, they did beat Michigan the first time around at Chrysler uh, by eleven uh, on the backs of um, uh, on the back of a great game from Liddell, uh, and also a pretty strong scoring output from Malachi Branham. But uh, Michigan's playing a lot better than they were at that time. We'll see if uh, this is maybe a, a revenge game spot, but I don't know. I like Michigan's chances of taking one of those. And right now Michigan is in the projected bracket matrix field. Uh, either of these wins would be another quad one win to put in the bucket. Uh, and that would hopefully get Michigan out of those last four at larges in the field, uh, especially if they can, go on a little bit of a big 10 tournament run as well. But you, like I said, you don't want to have to rely on that. So I don't know, Dan, you feeling good about the very end of this season heading into the postseason? Um, I'm feeling good. Um, but you know, this, uh, this team find feels like it's, you know, literally cannot win two games in a row um, to save its life for the past, like, you know, three weeks. Um, so I think that, I, I kind of feel like I want to see them beat Iowa. Um, at, you know, that's going to be a home game, a night game. The students should be mostly back from spring break. 
Um, actually, no, that's not true. Uh, but they should be more back from spring break than they were last night. Um, and uh, Iowa, you know, Michigan can stick uh, Musa on Keegan Murray. Um, Iowa's defense stinks. Um, and I, I feel a lot better about it than I do going into Columbus. Um, you know, even though I, I still do think Michigan matches up well with Ohio State um, and Ohio State's a little bit, you know, uh, flat. But you, you'd think like the fact that Michigan's playing for a lot right now. Iowa's not playing for a lot besides seeding. Um, it's at Michigan. Like, let's just, you know, wrap this up tomorrow um, would be great. Uh, I think uh, I think they can do it because um, Iowa's defense is really, really bad. And uh, I, I feel like. Kempom has like a Kempom has a really weird sweet spot for Iowa. Like they're always ranked in like the top 20 and I know they're good. Like I know Keegan Murray is really good, but I don't like see that with, I mean, I guess they, they blew the doors off Michigan state the other night, but like, I don't know. They're, they I have won seven I, of their last eight. The only exception to that was Michigan. So that's yeah, a notable well, exception. And they've had so, a pretty <laughs> easy schedule actually. Now that I'm looking closer, goodness. Um, Let's see. Of those wins, um, Minnesota, Maryland, Nebraska, or Northwestern made up one, two, three, four, five of those seven victories. So yeah, no, that doesn't count. None of those teams count. <laughs> um, so anyway, and also like all my impression of every Big Ten team is how they played against Michigan usually. Um, so you know, I'm just that's I'm just to I'm go just, back to your Kempom point. I think his algorithm might have a little bit of trouble with teams that have a big spread and quality between one side of the ball and the other, um, and with Iowa. That is always the case. And they have the number six offense in the country this year. Uh, their defense is actually decent by Iowa standards at 78th. So that's enough to make them 14th in the country, even though they're 21 and eight and feel rickety on any given night. But um, they certainly make it tough for the bad teams to beat them with how good their offense is. But uh, when they run into better teams, it can be. Uh, a little rough on them sometimes. The nice thing for Michigan going into Columbus, and I'm, I'm going to butt in here despite not being a basketball expert on this pod. The nice thing is um, all those Ohio State fans are going to try really hard to convince themselves they're watching a basketball game, but it's just going to be like, you know, one extended flashback to the football game <laughs> that they're not like they're, they're not even close to being over that game. It'll take them like 10 years to get over it. It's gonna be it's gonna be hard for that crowd to focus, and they're gonna be deeply confused about what's going on in the court. All they're gonna see is is Asan Haskins running guys over in the snow. Um, that might play to Michigan's advantage. I'm just gonna call that. You know, I mean, Mel Tucker did show up to the game last night, and I credit him for showing up at Chrysler. <laughs> I mean, that uh, that takes some guts, and uh, I would very much like Jim Harbaugh to be courtside at Ohio State on Sunday. That would be amazing. Oh, that would get them going. So, that would be great. <laughs> uh, and, you know, maybe bring Hassan Haskins with them. I don't know. They should definitely get Hassan Haskins to come. Um, that would be really, anyway. really funny. Oh, yeah. Um, I have, uh, I have, I'm going to have to derail the entire conversation right now. Um, according to 106.7, the fan, um, which is a uh, local DC area um, radio show. Uh, Maryland considers Rick Pitino their top choice uh, to replace um, Mark Turgeon. So um, 
I, I don't know if I don't know if we have to like. I just I just I, I don't I feel think like we, we have had to take that rumor seriously, but we can laugh at it. Yeah, I think that'd be. I think that would rule actually. So um, anyway, uh, <laughs> we'll hey, move I mean, on to spring there, there, Once upon a time, people thought he was coming to the Big Ten at uh, this very school, in Michigan. So uh, you know, um, it'd be funny if it happened after all this time. Um, at a program that uh, I'm growing to dislike more and more. <laughs> so uh, that would be cool. Um, Hunter Dickinson has been mostly responsible for me deciding not to like Maryland basketball. Um, Connor, I'm guessing you had no such trouble. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's that's way too long of a topic for me to get into. But yes, suffice it to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dan has no idea what we're talking about. He's not old enough to know that. Oh yeah, no, I, I, used to play very competitive basketball. I've, I've gotten really good at this podcast of like kind of. Um, I have like a pretty good sixth sense of like when you guys are starting to talk about stuff that happened before like 2007, um, <laughs> and I just kind of turn my brain off and I'm like, the okay, name Juan the, Dixon means it's like you know <laughs> nothing to Dan. No, yeah, that's made up. Um, uh, it's like when your grandpa starts talking about like Korea. It's like, all right, let's 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 turn the let's turn turn the brain off. Just let him just let him talk at you. Like it's now, it's it's more about him than it is about you. <laughs> well, now Dan's uh, compared me to a Korean War vet. I'm going to switch things over to women's basketball, um, which uh, up and down. We'll call it this week. Uh, a very fun senior night romp against Michigan State, which was a, a revenge game uh, in Chrysler Arena. Um, but then uh, Michigan had to beat Iowa to secure a Big Ten championship because um, there have, much like the men's side last year, there have not been the same number of games played among the contenders. Uh, Iowa couldn't fucking miss, just absolutely refused to miss shots. Uh, Caitlin Clark was eight for 11 on three pointers, which is absolutely ridiculous. Michigan also didn't have their best offensive game, but. Uh, I don't know if there's any team in the country that could have done anything about what Caitlin Clark in particular was doing in this game. And the rest of the Hawkeyes were also uh, shooting the ball pretty well. So Michigan loses the big 10, even though they actually, uh, this was the first time they lost to any of the other contenders. They went six and one against the rest of the top five, Uh, but uh, a canceled game against Illinois. um, And yes, I do see the, uh, very cruel irony here. Um, a canceled yeah, game. I, I don't. It was I don't not think rescheduled. <laughs> I, I, I think. I think one. it's. I think there's no irony there, and I think that um, <laughs> I, I will not acknowledge uh, the comeuppance <laughs> for you know being a huge prick about uh, about that last year online. Uh, so it was brutal. Um, but you know, I think. I think this is a year where um, we can ration. Uh, you know, kind of like rationale ourselves into uh believing that the um the tournament title is the real big 10 title considering how um uh controversial uh the the you know the regular season title was which was not the case last year um before you say anything no, uh, that's 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 a thing yeah. that is only true of this year's women's big 10 title and also the hockey one um last year regular season all the way undisputed never a doubt well and what hey, you know that- what like go ahead one thing that could very much help uh, settle this is that in the Big Ten tournament, if things go according to seed, Michigan is going to play Iowa in the semifinal. Uh, so those teams have split the season series so far. Uh, and I think uh, 
I think we can safely assume that Michigan would have won against Illinois. <laughs> um, we're not bullshitting when we say that phrase this time. And in fact, we've never bullshitted when we said that phrase. It's um, always been true. Michigan yeah, would have won is... against Illinois. Illinois, legitimately terrible, terrible at women's basketball. Um, so that's a game that Michigan had about a 95% win probability. Um, and uh, yeah, um, that would have at least gotten them a share of their first ever Big Ten championship. So I would go ahead and say that if Michigan gets through Iowa and then beats um, it'll most likely be either Ohio state or Maryland coming out of that other side, Michigan uh, swept both of those teams this season. Um, so uh, if Michigan gets through all that and wins the big 10 tournament title, I think they can quite fairly say that they were the best team in the big 10 this season. And they are also hey. the team that's most likely to get a, uh, the highest seed in the, in the NCAA tournament. They are, um, they were eighth in the uh, official NCAA tournament uh, bracket ranking that they put out uh, that have them as a two seed and hosting uh, the first weekend of the tournament at Chrysler. Uh, that's the best of any Big Ten team and something that Michigan can lock up in this tournament. And I think they have a pretty decent chance of doing so, uh, provided they get pra- past Nebraska in the what that should be the team they face in the opener. Um, and then, uh, we'll get another Michigan Iowa game, which should be a lot of fun. Yeah. This is where, uh, me being a Duke fan can, uh, I can drop some wisdom on you guys, which is for the last 15 years, Duke has always dropped, no matter how good they are in the regular season, they will always drop like, you know, a home game to Virginia tech. They'll get like smoked by Miami on the road and they never win the regular season ACC title, but they win the ACC tournament like half the time. So I don't think that uh, regular season titles are legitimate. In fact, they should be thrown out. The tournament is what matters. So uh, Godspeed to you guys. <laughs> didn't they? Didn't they finally win it this year? Um, I, they locked it up. So I, I'm gonna like show fake how fake like, Duke fan. Oh <laughs> fake man, Duke. Yeah, huge wow. Duke fan. I'm so disengaged this year, guys. But. Uh, yeah, um, I think they, they finally did this very year. rarely do. Yeah, Connor's been traveling abroad too much. We gotta, we gotta get him back here before we lose him entirely. <laughs> Losing touch. Um, well, here's something American. Uh, spring football. <laughs> Let's go. Uh, we're gonna. Uh, Michigan is underway. It's Michigan spring football. So uh, you might get the occasional tidbit uh, on, you know, a message board here or there. I have not been paying attention because uh, we're very deep in basketball season, but um, we have our list of the things that we want to hear coming out of spring football. And Connor, since you've been uh, stuck being on the butt end of Duke jokes and listening to us talk about basketball, figured you could you could give your top five first. Yeah, I mean, I will preview this and say like we do have a lot of overlap uh, in our top five, though I diverge in a few points. Um, you know, I, my number one thing that I want to see, like the chatter that I want to hear, and we may disagree on this, is I I hope we get a vibe that um, Kate and JJ are both competing hard and that neither one is like necessarily falling too far behind and that, you know, they're both going to play a role because I don't want them to transfer. I want us to make it to the season, you know, with them both on the roster and whatever it takes to get there, even if the reality is like JJ is pulling far ahead. Um which I think at one level we might all prefer, but you know, I want to, I want to hear that they're both content, like whatever cliches we have to hear to make us think that Um, a huge thing for the for the team next year is going to be 
they have to find uh, a destructive edge rusher, which has been a part of Michigan's defense, you know, for a very long time. A lot of those guys in the NFL now, and, you know, they just lost two of the best ones they've had in recent memory. So, um, Braden McGregor, is is Morris going to be in that role or leave him more inside? I mean, guys like Harold, a dark horse like Keyshawn Bennett, you know, TJ Guy flashed last year, which would be hilarious if he were the guy. But like somewhere out of that group, they have to get an edge rusher, ideally more than one. But they need at least one who's going to be, you know, verging on you know, very good to, to get back to something resembling what they were doing last year. Um I hope, I really hope that we hear a lot about the offensive line having a lot of continuity and that Victor Oloatimi is, you know, I'm very hopeful for him. The new center and transfer from UVA, like, I think he could be great. I want to hear about him and how the line is gelling. It's really more important the line that they're like gelling and working together than, you know, um, anything else I would say. I want to hear that freshman DBs are contributing. Like Will Johnson's the number one name. But that DB class, man, like every guy in that class <laughs> is like exciting. Like all three safeties they got, like Keon Sab, Damani Dent, uh, Zeke Berry are all like really impressive dudes. Um, Cody Jones is a ridiculous athlete. Um, and then we're leaving out Miles Pollard, who's like an awesome prospect. Sorry, I'm rambling now, but like I want to hear good things about them. And, you know, probably one or two of them are going to contribute pretty heavily at least. And then just in general, like, I think the offense, we all think the offense will likely be a lot better than the defense next year. So whatever combination of magic words we have to hear to make us think that the offense has a shot to be genuinely elite, that it doesn't just imply that the defense is bad. That's my list. All right. Um, Dan, even though you uh, stole one of mine after making your list after me, I'm going to let you go ahead. <laughs> um, no, I can change on the fly. That's what I do on this podcast. Um I'm, I'm, I'm like Frankie Collins in the paint. I'm creative. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no. So my number one thing is uh, I just want to hear that they're like throwing the ball a ton. Um, I, I want to hear like, I, I want to hear less about the run game. Uh, not because I, you know, last year there was much made about me um, complaining that they were going to run the ball a lot. Um, and then being, you know, super wrong about that. Uh, it turns out <laughs> that it was a, a good thing. Um, but I, you know, I basically, my, my thinking is more or less like, we know the run game is gonna be good. Um, I would like to see here that they're gonna like, you know, really open it up and throw the ball to these uh, incredibly deep and good receiver room that they've got. Um, so that's, uh, I'd, I'd like to hear, you know, um, I'm, I'm willing to entertain uh, shots at de- departed um, uh, offense coordinator, Josh Gaddis, like about how like, oh, they really, um, the, the offense, the, they really feel like they have a voice in the offense this year. So stuff like that, where, you know, it's like a very veiled shot um, just put out, you know, through. Uh, I'm sorry, dude. I love that you're just like firing shots across the bow of, of the best Michigan team in the last 25 years. And how, like, <laughs> you still didn't like how they did things. I love no, it. Dude. I didn't, keep keep uh, that coming. I, I, oh, I love it. I just want them to throw. I, I, I think it'll be fun. All right. So here's my thing that I've been thinking about. Like I'm, I'm, I'm going off the rails now. Um, here's the thing I've been thinking about uh, for the past like couple months. I feel like I want to see Michigan, a Michigan receiver with like gaudy stats. Um, and I think the reason we don't have it is not necessarily that they, you know, aren't effective throwing the ball, but that we don't throw the ball against bad teams. Like we always just run, you know, we do like boring run out the clock, running the ball against like Maryland and Rutgers. Um, and I, I would like to, you know, have a little bit of fun with it, but um, I know that I'm not going to get that. This is a Jim Harbaugh offense and uh, you know, it's going to, it's going to be all right either way, but um, it would be cool if it was like, Oh wow. Yeah. They're really airing it out. 
Um, the number two thing I want to hear uh, stuff about Rayshon Benny. Um, I was really, really in intrigued by the uh, the minimal playing time he got last year. Um, I think he's a really good athlete. I think he's got he plays with with great pad level, um, and I think that you know with the, with an off season in the uh, in the weight room, um, he could be really good. And uh, it would be great because they they hilariously stole him from Michigan State on signing day a couple of years ago, and I'd love for him to be really, really good. Um, I would like to hear just completely unadulterated Will Johnson hype. Um, I want to hear about he was, how he's like the next Charles Woodson. I'm so ready to believe it. I'm so high on this kid. Um, and also, like, he could definitely start this year. And uh, he's one that's like, if I start hearing hype about him, I'm, I'm immediately believing it. I, I don't need any, um, any second opinions. Um, number four, uh, I want to hear about A.J. Henning in like kind of a, a hybrid running back role. Um, I think AJ Henning is super explosive. Um, he's his end arounds last year were lethal. He's he was so good as, as a uh, punt returner, um, and uh, I think that he could do a really good job at kind of like an H like Ohio Ohio State's old like H back where they would just sort of like you know bring Curtis Samuel in from the slot. He'd run some routes sometimes, but like you know he'd do end arounds like just get the ball in space. And um, I thought Gaddis did a good job with that last year, and he's just. He's explosive, and I think that he could like even just get some straight up carries out of the backfield. Um, and then uh, one thing we have been hearing, um, and that I'm you know excited about is uh, Darius Clemens, freshman receiver, um, who is apparently like just you know one of the freakiest athletes on the team, um, one of the fastest and tallest guys they've got, and he's really turning heads early. And uh, I think you know that's the thing that can you know all joking aside about passing the ball, the thing that can take Michigan to the next level as an offense is uh, a truly like elite receiver and whether it's him or Andrew Anthony or Ronnie Bell, like if you can get like the thing that college defenses just truly cannot deal with um, is having like more than one like dominant receiver um, and, or, and a quarterback that can get them ball. Cause no college defenses outside of like Georgia have like two uh, NFL caliber corners. It just doesn't happen. So yeah, uh, just look at Ohio State's offense last year. Uh, that was uh, tough for most teams to handle. Um, I say most, but not all. Um, my spring wish list starts with uh, something that's a little different than Connor's take on the quarterbacks. I want people saying so many good things about J.J. McCarthy that even if Cade McNamara has like signed his name in blood that he will never transfer from Michigan – that there are still going to be unsubstantiated transfer rumors just because of how much people are hyping up J.J. McCarthy. I want to hear about him being involved in the running game. I want to hear about him co totally opening up what they do in the passing game. I want to hear about him being a, a five-star. And we saw some flashes of that last year. We saw that they couldn't keep him off the field, even though they had a quarterback who could capably guide the team to the playoff. And I don't know. i I think for this team to be what we want this team to be, they need an elite quarterback. And I think Cade McNamara tops out at very good. And I would, I, JJ McCarthy could top out at ridiculous. So that's my number one. Number two is uh, largely touching on what Dan said about Darius Clemens. I want someone to emerge and separate themselves as wide receiver one. I don't care who it is. I just want to be able to look at the offense and go, this is who the first wide receiver on this team is. And as soon as Ronnie Bell went down last year, Michigan never really had a, a clear answer to that question. And while they managed to get through the Big Ten with that, 
uh, it did show up against Georgia. Um, number three, I just had McGregor is basically Hutchinson. We have that, uh, I think, pretty well covered. Um, number four, I would like to hear that at least one or two of the players in the back seven are legitimate playmakers. This is an era of college football where you're not going to stop the opponents every time unless you're last year's Georgia team. And the way to level things out against these explosive offenses is to generate turnovers. So I, I, I want to hear something about, you know, whether it's Will Johnson or one of the safeties or one of the returning quarterback cornerbacks, I, I want to hear about a ball Hawk and I want to hear about somebody uh, who forces fumbles. I, I want to hear about playmakers on defense guys who are putting the ball on the ground. Uh, Cause that's what it takes, I think, to to win in college football these days, and I think Michigan knows that. So uh, they've got, as we've talked about, a lot of promising young defensive backs and also some interesting linebacker prospects coming through. Uh, I'd love to hear about Junior Tolson taking a step forward because I think he can be that type of player. Uh, but you need some guys on the second and third level of the defense who can make game-changing plays, not just make solid plays. Uh, finally, my last thing is that I want to hear that the defensive install is taking hold faster than the offenses because that's generally how it should work from my kind of understanding of how um, the overall shape of a football season should look. Um, you want Defense is simpler than offense in general uh, because it's largely reactive instead of having to know everything in advance. Uh, so in uh, Michigan also, I would guess, is going to have I would guess they have a fair amount of continuity on both sides of the ball, but if there's going to be a side of the ball that has more change, I would assume it's offense rather than defense. It seems like they're going for as much schematic continuity as possible uh, on the defensive side. So um, I think that's the way that, you know, Connor wanted to hear that the offense could be very good without uh, implying that the defense would get significantly worse. And I think that's what we want to hear is that, you know, the defenders at least know where they should be and they aren't making as many errors as the offense um, and hopefully is not getting overwhelmed up front would be the other thing to just make sure that the offense is uh, not too far ahead of the defense. So that's my list. Uh, yeah. I think, um, I think one that, you know, I didn't touch on that I thought was good by Asa. Uh, I, I like to hear a lot about junior Colson too. Um, one thing that this offense was definitely, or defense was definitely missing last year was um, an elite linebacker, you know, uh, an elite linebacker um, and junior Colson can be that. And if we hear the lights going on with him, like, you know, we've said it multiple times in this podcast that I really feel like the sky's the limit for that kid. He's so fast. Um, he's so long. And uh, I feel like, I feel like he can be the next great linebacker at Michigan. And uh, the fact that he played so much last year was, you know, definitely promising. Um, even though he was not that good, um, he was, you know, out there. And I feel like, you know, with a, an off season and, you know, feeling like you're the, the established starter, he can, he can really come through this year. <clears throat> and that's a position that is really difficult to be good at. Yeah, at the very for sure. Of your career. I mean, at a period, just really difficult to be good at. So that's also true. <laughs> being a linebacker is like the, I mean, being a quarterback is the hardest job in football, but being a linebacker is, is really tough. Cause there's just so many ways you can be wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's certainly one of yeah. the most thankless uh, of jobs in the NFL or in football, unless you're really, really dang good at it. Um, and Colson has that chance. Yeah. I'm super excited for him. Um, I think one interesting omission from all of ours is 
So Dan briefly touched on interior defensive line in the form of Rayshon Benny, who I agree will probably be an important player. Um, I'm surprised none, none of us talked about Mozzie Smith, who uh, I just feel really good, good about last him. year. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I, I he was good last year, and I think like it would be huge for this defense if he took a step forward. I think he's potentially, you know, could be the most important player on this defense. Like if he really shows up and and it can become a little bit more of a game wrecking, you know, nose tackle, uh, that could really shape the whole arc of the defense. I mean, if he's just as good as he was last year, he'll still be very valuable. But um, you know, it would be cool if he took another step forward and, you know, I might I might slide that onto my wish list if I had one more spot. That that would definitely uh my fall wish list will probably focus more on the in, in trenches in spring so much as just about like scheme install and kind of skeleton stuff and individual drills that I just uh I put less stock into some of the individual stuff for those guys and then once there were more more working in five man units and full pads in the fall is when I try to focus more on what's happening inside. But it'd be great to hear good stuff about the interior D line, especially in terms of maybe a couple of those guys getting over a couple more of those guys getting over 300 pounds. I don't know. I think there's two of yeah. them on the roster right now. <laughs> yeah. And I think um, it'll be interesting to see what they do. Um, I think we can expect some transfers out certainly after the spring, it's yeah. kind of been established now that, you know, there's two transfer seasons. There's um, there's right after the season. And then there's like post spring once like the depth charts come out and it's like, okay, like I'm not going to play. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see what we see there. Um, I could definitely see some uh, some attrition from the receiver room, almost because yeah, just the first I, group to get. <clears throat> and I, I hate to be that guy. Like I don't want any of these guys to transfer. I'd love for them all to stay. It's just like there's just not enough snaps to go around, and there's a lot of good receivers in this room. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I mean, and it'll see. It'll be interesting to see what they do in terms of taking out of the portal, because I agree they could probably use at least one more big body in the middle. Um, although I think they'd be fine if they went with what they had right now, there's enough guys there's, there's, you know, and when you're in a three man front, you can go with more like um, everyone's around like 290 rather than like you have one guy that's, you know, 330. but um, they probably could use one more big body. They could probably use, um, you know, potentially like a corner, potentially a, uh, uh, a linebacker, we'll see. But, you know, I think it'll be telling to see, like, who transfers out because that'll tell you, like, what the strong strongest positions are. Um, and then it'll be telling to see, you know, what they do in terms of bringing guys in because that'll tell you, you know, what some maybe some of the weaker positions are. So, but overall, I mean, like, I look at this team and I think, I think that where last year we were kind of saying, like, oh, man, like, what is the path to this even being halfway decent? Um, and we, you know, basically rolled all 12s on, you know, everything. So that was awesome. Um, this year I feel a lot more like, okay, like you got to take like a couple gambles, maybe in the secondary, you got to hope like there's at least one young guy that's ready to come in. Um, and then on the defensive line, it's like, all right, maybe like, you know, definitely need some pass rushers, but like that could certainly happen. And, you know, you need to a little bit more development from, from the interior defensive lineman, but like, otherwise, like I, I feel like every unit on this team, you know, is good to good. So. We might have to yeah, do a spring I, roster draft just so we can see how different it was from last year's fall <laughs> roster draft. Yeah, seriously. Well, waiting to the end, like no one takes receiver until the very end. There's just too many of them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, we're in a nice position here where, like, so many spots in the roster where there are question marks. It's like, okay, there's a question mark. But if guys that we've already seen a little bit just, like, do kind of the linear expected improvement 
it should be fine. Like if Chris Jenkins just gets that little bit much better and a little bit bigger, like I expect him to contribute a lot, you know? Um, I love that none of us have mentioned the running backs because we're just like, well, yeah, like if Donovan Edwards and Blake Corham are healthy, they'll be one of, if not the best duo in the country. And I don't think any of us are super worried about that, which is a nice spot to be yeah. in. My only thought yeah. about Donovan Edwards is once Dan said AJ Henning should get running back snaps is that I would like to see at least one play this season where Henning lines up in the spot slot and Edward lines up in the backfield. And then they just switch spots before the snap and see how the defense reacts. <laughs> oh yeah. It might not I mean, actually like, be was... at all effective, but it would be fun. <laughs> well, see. that's a version of what that first touchdown against Ohio state was right. Like the whole Ohio state defense followed Donovan Edwards <laughs> and, and AJ Henning reversed. Oh yeah. That basically is exactly yeah. what happens on that play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a genius. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Accident. Uh, um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. I think the one thing about the, the, uh, the running backs I'll say is I think they're, I think they probably should try to get someone that if it's not going to be um, Tavi or Tavi Dunlap, uh, they should probably try to get a, a bruiser for short yardage. Cause um, Corum, Corum's a tough back, but I don't, you know, I think like you want a guy that's like big enough that you can just kind of throw him at the line with some momentum and he like gets, you know, a yard. Um, he's not going to be that guy, obviously. And I think uh, um, Donovan Edwards is more of a, uh, he's more of an upright runner, which is not a bad thing, but I think I'd actually you rather want... have Corum as the short yard. Yeah. Player. Oh, for sure. So definitely spotted. Corum. <laughs> yeah, definitely Corum. But I would, I think that they could use a guy that could at least like, just from a like carries distribution standpoint, like take some of the load off for like, you know, a se- second and one run. That's like not that high, high va- um, leverage, you know, instead of like throwing Corum into the line, who's one of your more valuable offensive players, like, you know, get, get some guy that's, that's willing to like, you know, take those carries that's up around two thirty. I hear me out on this guys. All right. Just, just follow me on this fullback Dom Jadis. What do we think? <laughs> yeah, we, we, Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I would love to hear some stuff about uh, Dom, Dom GDC. Um, I don't even know how do you say is I should, I should probably learn that for the brand, but um, uh, yeah. I think it's Jadis, <laughs> but I don't think it's Jadis. Well, it's, it's, it's definitely not Jadis. It's, it's, it's gotta have more syllables than that. Um, and it's gotta end in like, yeah. Gadice. I think that's probably it. It's Gadice. Um, But anyway, yeah, no, that'd be awesome to hear that he was really good. Um, but if he's not, he could definitely be a fullback because uh, he's <laughs> he fits all the criteria. <laughs> I one of the few tidbits that I've seen, like there's really not that much coming out from what I can tell from the program right now. It sounds like Colston Loveland is tearing it up already. Like they don't need him because they definitely have tight ends. Um, but that's a kid. Like that's good to hear, just because he's one of those guys that you know we knew had the potential to become like a really, really great tight end. So the fact that we're already hearing about him is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. You've been on the Colston Loveland train for a little while now. Mountain West pride, man. That's like, he's like the best player from this region this year. So uh, yeah, I'm excited. (laughs) Yeah, no, he's, I can see him being, I mean, it'll be interesting to see. I I feel like um, it's, it's just going to be interesting to see what they do on offense this year, just in general, because I, I think that there's like, you've there's like three or four things that on a normal year, like we would be talking about building the offense around, you know, like you've got, um, you've got a really good offensive line that basically brings back everyone um, and is gonna, you know, I think is in a good spot to replace their one, you know, they replaced their one, um, uh, you know, see uh, Andrew Restartis with what's almost certainly going to be an upgrade. Um, And 
the and then when you when you're only replacing one other offensive lineman, like you've got enough shark teeth in the uh, in the program that w- someone's going to be good there. Um, and then a good running backs room. So you know we would maybe say like, oh, you know, build a running offense. But they've got enough good receivers that you know, like it could be a really uh, you know four wide like you know spread them out passing offense with you know a, a quarterback that's you know at the very least Kate McNamara can get through his reads. Um, and, and, you know, normally deliver the ball, you know, in a catchable radius. Um, and, uh, and then like, you've got, uh, you've got some really good tight ends. So like, I don't know, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with this offense and like who gets snaps and who doesn't, because it's really tough. Like you start to look at it and it's like, all right, like, who do we take off the field here? Like, does AJ Henning come off the field so that, um, Ronnie, uh, Ronnie Bell can run the slot? Like, do, does Ronnie Bell go outside so that, you know, and then, and then, uh, uh, Cornelius Johnson, who I thought underratedly had a really good year, like has to sit on the bench. Like, do you bring in two tight ends? Then you can't have like a, a third receiver on the field. Like it's, it's really tough to see. Like there's a lot of things this offense is going to be able to do. Yeah. I mean, I know Jim Harbaugh like cannot wait to go four wide and then hand it off to Tabby Dunlap to run between the tackles. He is so excited to do that. And I'm, and I'm happy for him, honestly. <laughs> By four wide, you meant four tight, right? <laughs> yeah, four, four four wide body tight ends in the backfield. Yes. Yeah, I meant exactly. I meant four tight ends exactly. <laughs> one of the at least one of them is Joel Honigford. Um, oh yeah, you, you already know. <laughs> you already know that Joel Honigford is getting more snaps than Darius Clements, and that's just that's just facts. <laughs> unfortunately, just and a, you know what? Now that now that he's now, now that yeah, we're gonna have just a, a Ferrari sitting on the sidelines, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna break out the old uh, you know reliable oh, yeah. um, Honda the, Civic. Uh, it's uh, is not only getting more snaps; he's getting more targets than Darius. Clark. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yep, yeah. Red yeah, Jones no, and we can, Joel Honigford. You heard it here first, folks. <laughs> we we can we can uh, we can joke about this now that we won, but uh, yeah, no, it's definitely not gonna be something I'm screaming about week one. No, absolutely not. We would never do that. <laughs> Uh, that's probably a side that we have talked through enough this week. Uh, follow at Bucket Problem on Twitter. Go to www.thebucketproblem.com and subscribe to the newsletter and the bonus podcast. Uh, rate, review, and subscribe to this very feed free pod right here. And uh, use the promo code Bucket Problem at homefieldapparel.com and the promo code Bucket Prob on PointsBet. Have a very good week. Thanks for listening.